play a bucket list golf course, one of two things can really happen. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my other co-host, one of my groomsmen, Mr. Matt Cermak here with me. What's up, my man? First podcast as a married man. It was a pleasure to stand with you last weekend, live in the Redwoods. It was was a beautiful wedding. It was, thank you. It was a blast. What a weekend. But guys, in case you're new, thank you for hopping aboard. If your golf game's off the rails, sick run the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PGA tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the part train, like every episode of the part train is presented by our friends at Roback Activewear. And sir, mm. I don't know if you saw the look on the groomsmen and my dad and my father-in-law's face, but I gave everyone a Roback hoodie and Roback shorts as a you groomsman did. gift, along with a tie and some golf socks. I think people were pretty stoked. I don't know. You were you received it, so you tell me. Could have been the best groomsman gifts ever. The hoodies, there's been a lot of talk about the hoodies for a while now. Yeah. But the shorts are hot off the press. And look what happened when I we walked into the hotel right when I got to Santa Cruz. Who do I run into first? You. And what are you wearing? A Roback hoodie, gray, with, yeah. <laughs> with the green with the green shorts. That's what I was wearing too. It, we just set the stage, <laughs> the exact look for you travel guys, day. <laughs> you guys saw this on our Instagram story if you follow us. But first guy I run into of the weekend was Sir Mac. We're wearing the exact same thing. But no, my big thing, Sir, was look. As a groomsman, we've all gotten, you know, the flasks and all the engraved stuff and that stuff's great. But I really wanted to get you guys something that you'll use, something that yeah, will be it. a staple. And the hoodie and the shorts to me is my favorite. It's my uniform here in L.A. It's a little too hot right now, but uh, mm. a hoodie and shorts is my favorite thing. So I will say this, guys, I won't go on for too long here. But the, the point is, is that people's faces lit up. They all wore them the next day. People were going on and on about the shorts and the hoodie. So if you don't have a hoodie or the shorts, go to Roback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. And I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. It'll be the first of many things you get from Roback. And if you've already used the code, use a new email, do whatever you have to do. I was grateful to have you and the rest of you know, my best buddies and brothers there with me. Roback played a part. So thank you to Roback and thank you to all you guys. Use the code and and get yourself something nice because you deserve it. Okay. So this episode, I think, is going to be a little different than we originally envisioned. Okay. So we played Pasa Tiempo the day before my wedding, the Saturday before, August 27th. And Pasa Tiempo was nice to have you and me out and all of my groomsmen out. Yep. Before the rehearsal dinner, it was a mad dash. I mean, we had to go straight from the <laughs> rehearsal, straight to the course, had 10 minutes till we teed off. Then we went straight back, had about a half hour to get ready hopped on the shuttle, rehearsal dinner, welcome party, all of it. So we're going to talk about Pasa Tiempo. It's a little bit of an out of the office episode where it's like a travel episode. If you haven't listened to those before, we've done Sea Island. We've done Sand Valley. We've done Bandon. We did the Ritz in Orlando. And the Ritz in Orlando. So we've done four. So this will be kind of that. But I also think it's a unique opportunity to do the mental side of playing bucket list courses. Yeah. Right. And I also had the privilege 
it's crazy to even say this, but I got to play Cyprus on my mini moon. Heard so of it. I'll throw that into at the end. They're both Alistair McKenzie courses. I'd never played a McKenzie course before. So I think there's some similarities. There's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of mental learnings. Let me say this, sir. Neither you or I try to be perfect. We just try and share what we're both going through as authentically as we can. Sir Max battling a pinch nerve. I've been battling my swing really for three to four months. It's not easy to go to places like this when you're really feeling truly uncomfortable over the ball. And I think there's a ton that we're going to talk through, but I'm excited to get to this before we dive in. If you guys have gotten any value from our conversations, from this podcast, from following us, give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow at The Par Train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I read every message. We try and reply to every comment. So hit us up there. We love hearing your stories. The reviews um, have been fantastic. Thanks, guys. Yeah, keep the reviews coming. We love it. So, yeah. But thank you guys as always. Now let's get to this conversation. Let's start with Pasatiempo. Uh-huh. I mean, let's set the scene here. So a bucket list course, right? It's highly ranked, usually pretty expensive, ton of history. Mm-hmm. And with that can come high expectations. I've seen two things happen in these scenarios. We've both been lucky. We both played a lot of cool courses, right? Highly ranked yep. courses, yep. private and public. I've seen two things happen. One is you're just truly happy to be there and you actually play great right the other is the anticipation the hype the money the history it can get in your way a little bit and you can play tentative tight and actually you play poor how did you feel you're you're battling a back injury which one were you closer to when you played Pasatiempo for the first time yeah i had hurt my back the week before playing too much golf and then hurt <laughs> playing squash i had a pinch nerve <laughs> So I, I was like, well, part of me was like, man, I don't even know if I should play. But then I'm like, yeah. wait a second, it's pasta tempo. But at the very least, I'm going to go out to the course and at least hit iron shots. Or do, you know what I mean? Just yeah. take it in because, boy, did that place have an aura like I thought it would. But like yeah. it, 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 the history, McKenzie, the majors, Bobby Jones, the design, all that stuff. So I was warming up with Ryan before the round. And this is just a really shitty warm up. Of course, you have to have mats in California at every course before you warm up. (laughs) That's not good with a little vibration, you know, as you're jamming it into the mats. You know what I said? I was like, you know what? I think I could probably do this. You're going to have to be smooth. And you know what? For me, that's not a bad thought (laughs) because sometimes is not the longest hitter. I like to dial it, you know, try to dial it up. And, you know, if your timing's not good, it can be bad. So I was just like smooth, right? Just smooth. And on the first hole, Great hole, right? 420 down the hill, then up the hill. I felt like I was like at dial six or dial seven, right? If I dial nine or, you know, is when I'm amped up and trying to get along, I was kind of dial six or seven all day. My back actually got better as I went on. Just classic, right? Loosens up. Yeah. I knew it was going to be a challenge, of course, because of the hills, because of the greens, the blind shots. But have I, you know, I think, you know, maybe sometimes when you're a little hurt or a little hamstrung by something and you just kind of have one real thought and then the expectations kind of go down. You're like, look, I'm just here to take it in, swing smooth and see what happens, yeah. you know? And I ended up playing okay, you know, shot 76. I actually didn't make any putts. Surprised myself hitting some pretty good shots. You, Which you is funny because you probably would have expected the opposite, right? I'm going to rely on my putting. Yeah. That was kind of my story kind of going into it. 
Definitely one of the greatest courses I've ever played. Top five, top six, you know, maybe it's, who knows? Every hole I loved. I love the old school design in California. I've never played a old school kind of feeling course, but it makes sense. It was designed in 29 by McKenzie, you know? Yeah. Well, part of the marvel of Pasta Tiempo from what I've read and what I've heard is it's not a lot of acreage. And what McKenzie's really good at, as any good architect is, but especially McKenzie, is finding amazing holes within not a lot of space. Right. Correct. The way that he moves, the especially routing. on the front nine. Yeah. Right. It's kind of cut out of the neighborhood. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. what's interesting about Pasta Tiempo, because usually what I define as my favorite golf is when I feel lost out there, not mentally, but where you don't see a house, you don't see a road. You can kind of lose yourself in nature and just play. Right. You see that at Bandon. You see it at Sand Valley. Pasta Tiempo is probably the only course I've ever played that's lined by houses. On a few holes. Yeah. But you see houses pretty regularly throughout that it still feels really special. Yeah. It's the like the trees. There's something old and historic about them. Mackenzie's house on seventh hole. Most people know, but sixth hole was it six or seven? Was it sixth? Yeah. It's really cool. His, His home's right there. There's a plaque. You know what Ryan said to me though? What? Did you hear about this? No. He goes, Does Mackenzie still live there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I go, Ryan, the course was designed in 1929. <laughs> That's right. I did. The guy's, the guy's dead. Yeah. And how Rest dare in you? Peace. How dare you talk like that? Anyways, <laughs> that was really tough. Scene, yeah, it's but- on the sixth fairway. You're right. So <laughs> yeah. let me give a little bit of history for people that don't know. So Alistair McKenzie. Loved Pasta Tiempo so much that he built his house on it, right? A lot of people have heard this, but in case you haven't, Mackenzie, if you don't know, designed Augusta National, designed Cypress Point, some of the greatest golf courses in the world Mackenzie has designed, yeah. right? Well, he spent most of his time at Pasta Tiempo, chose to live there. So a lot of Mackenzie's features of these undulated greens and these big bunkers and I think the power of angles, we'll get to this, but angles are so important on a McKenzie course because you could hit yeah. 10 yards to the left and hit a speed slot and have a perfect angle. Whereas if you take the wrong angle, you could have a blind shot and it's a totally different hole. Almost, yeah. Right. So yeah, real quick too, Av, just cause you're talking about the history and per golf digest guys, you know, we're talking last year was ranked 77 for hundred greatest classic courses, give or take it's, been in the second hundred greatest. It's been in the top 15 in all of courses in California, major championships, history with Bobby Jones. So like it's, it's a bucket list course. Yeah. Yeah. Bucket list course. And so I heard a, I heard a different story when I played at Cyprus. I don't know which one's correct. So I'll just throw it out there and maybe someone can message us and tell us which one. I heard that Bobby Jones saw Pasa Tiempo and asked him to design Augusta. What I heard at Cyprus was he got eliminated from a tournament in the Monterey area and was playing the courses in the area, played Cyprus, said, I want, then when he got commissioned to do Augusta, he said, I know the exact architect. I want the guy who built Cyprus. So I don't know which one it is. I've heard both, but either way, the guy who designed Augusta designed Pasatiempo, and you can kind of feel it. There's some Augusta-esque layouts 
and feels to the holes. I mean, hole 15 at Pasta Tiempo is designed after number 12 at Augusta. And that was his vision. Yeah, for sure. Also, what makes it very interesting, it's par 70, five par threes, three par fives, and you finish on a par three as well on the 18th hole. And from the back tees, it's 6,400 yards. But as the starter said, eh, you might want to add a 400 to 500 more yards out there because Because of of elevation, the undulation. So just a really fascinating design. Let me ask you this, Sarm. There's the history. There's the feeling. I mean, I will say, guys, if you're going to play Pasta Tiempo, if you can play with multiple groups, what a special course to play with multiple groups because it's such a small property that the holes all run either parallel or intertwined. So we had four groups. I was seeing you guys regularly. We're yelling stuff across the fairway. It was a really special round for me. Even though I didn't play great, it was a really, really special, one of the most special rounds I've ever played just because of the meaning behind it, the history, being with my dad, my brother, one of my best friends, Trevor, seeing all of you guys on the other holes. Yeah. It was really special. Yeah. That, and that tight tree line design Ev, because it's such an old course that reminds me of Chicago, you know, being lucky enough to play a lot of the private clubs in Chicago growing up. That's how most of them are right now, much flatter, obviously out here in the Midwest, but the tree line, the holes along each other. Sometimes you see some really cool houses not in a cookie cutter way, because we know the cookie cutter courses that have the houses, but like just kind of perfectly situated on the course. So yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I got to give Strat and uh, Zach Green credit. They walked. I think if we went back and if we went, didn't have a time issue to get back to the rehearsal dinner, walking that course and they brought a caddy too. Yeah. So I think, I think it's that- a good course to have a caddy because like, I think 16, which is one of their, the most famous holes, one of the most famous greens, probably in golf. You don't realize until you play that hole how big of a dog leg left and how big that mound is on top. Because like I hit one of my best drives on that hole. It just didn't turn over. And I'm in the front yard (laughs) needing to take a relief of someone. Whereas I think I saw you and Ryan turned it over nice, hit that hump and probably had 40 yards, if not 50 yards less than me going into this crazy, huge three-tiered green that might have been 80 yards long. I yeah, I don't know. It was huge. Yeah, we're so lucky to have... Basiri had a uh, range finder with slope on it. I mean, yeah. can you imagine playing the course? Oh, I've never <laughs> seen bigger slope yeah. differential in my life than at Pasta Tiempo. Yeah, and I think, I think some people... I'm not saying in our group of guys or in the wedding party, but... I can see people getting frustrated at Pasta Tiempo. There's a story about Tiger. When he was young, he came out there. I guess he four or five putted the 16th hole. And he said he's never coming back. <laughs> but, you know, th- there's a couple of blind shots and a couple of tricky greens. But the course was longer. 16 was 440. Big dumb hole. But it's 395, 390. So I think the design is really, really good. But that green's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Okay, so let's talk about the mental side of these greens. You're a really good putter. We've talked about it many times. I think it's easy for someone maybe of my level because the starter told me, play the whites. And I'm like, play the whites? It's like 6,000 yards, 6,200 yards. What do you mean? But it played as long as 6,800 from anything I've played. The rough was sticky. The greens are elevated, undulated. He goes, it's all about putting here. So you hear that and you go into it. And it's really easy to play really tentative. You leave putts really short. I don't know. Talk about that. Because some people, by the time they get to the greens, 
there's some relief, you know, from the, from the ball striking side where I've played yeah. a couple courses where there's almost no relief because of trying to figure out the course tee to green. And then by the time you get to the greens, the breaks are, can be so crazy, but also so subtle. You end up scratching your head a lot. You end up not getting the speed right. You're fighting the speed all day. How do you approach a crazy greens like Mackenzie greens like that, where someone tells you the greens are the biggest defense? What, how do, what's your mindset for that? Well, let's throw in the other part too, Evan. You're a little more used to this playing a lot of California golf. You know, the starters talking about, you know, you got to know where the mountains are and you got to know where the ocean is. You know, got to feel that break towards one or the other. And, you know, Ryan and I are looking at each other and like, you, you get the concept and you, you know that, and you especially know about water, but the mountains too. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And then the downhill putts, Ev, definitely ran away at the hole hard. Just shoot and pick up speed. But the uphill putts were extra slow. Right. For me, it was just about speed, you know, because I knew going into a course like this, I've n- I don't know these greens. We don't have a caddy. I'm probably going to get a lot wrong today. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's good. You know, probably just like, I, I, I just got to kind of trust it. And there was a couple of putts. Like I had a lot of good iron shots, especially in the last couple of holes. And, you know, there's like 12, 15 footers. I'm just like, I don't know here. So just getting the speed, right? So, and then you're like, oh, I wish I made, could have made some birdie putts, but, you know, tap in pars aren't a bad thing. I wasn't, um, and it's definitely a good attitude to have. You don't want to be hung up on making putts. And I realized they were like, this is just going to be a, a challenging day on the greens. Just try to get the speed. The greens aren't that fast. You saw that. They really weren't that fast. And they can't get too fast out there or it'll be right unfair. So I was just really, my whole thing was, you know, really just try to hit solid iron shots, you know, into good spots in the green and not to actually not take my chances with the putter, just try to really figure out the speed. And if I don't get the brakes, right, I don't, it's funny. The only putt I made was <laughs> I made a 60 footer on the eighth hole, the par three. It's kind of that downhill par three. Mm-hmm. I, I hit the wrong club. I hit a six I sh- or I hit a seven. I should have hit a six and I was down in the front of the green <laughs> in the back. And I made it all, I made this crazy putt, oh, but really? there was a lot of nine, 10 footers. Like you know, put some putts really good. And then I was like, Oh my God, there was two more feet of break. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely not playing enough break on some of um, my more makeable putts, but, but have, I just, it's a McKenzie at the you end of the day, speed is more important Augusta, than alignment. Right? Yeah. Every time you play McKenzie greens, you learn subtleties. Tiger's ability to play those greens, know the exact spots to hit them at yep. what might not be obvious to the eye. I think that's what, it shows at the masters. Now I want to pull on one thing you said. It's very important. I think you accepted that you're probably going to get a lot wrong and you probably had fun with it. Like you're laughing at it, right? Like, Oh my God, these McKenzie greens, right? Like crazy. Didn't yeah, see it- that at all. And you kind of have fun with it. But right. one thing I want to really point out, it'd be pretty easy. You know how Ryan in our um, match in our match play episode, we did with him a while ago. He was kind of protecting against three putts like he didn't want to mess up. He wasn't focused on giving yep. his birdie putts a chance. It was more about don't mess up. Don't three putt. I think it's really easy to have that same fall into that same pattern at a place like Pasa Tiempo and Cyprus because they talk up the greens. You know, the greens are going to be hard. You don't want to three putt. So I think what's important and you tell me if if I'm wrong here, but I think at a place like those two courses for pasta tempo specifically spend more time before the round getting your speed right on the greens instead of banging balls at the range but also like 
focus on making good strokes, right? And leaving the ball below the holes. That's probably your main job with your irons in your hands, right? Is try and leave the ball below the hole as many times as you can. What I would say, except for like, again, like 16 and uh, maybe 18, a little bit, a couple of the greens, it wasn't like we're, I mean, we're aiming sideways and, and there's just like insanity everywhere. Like right. it's, it's, it's some other a, courses. It's not, a, um, it's not three level number two. Right. So like putts can be made. Yeah. If you get the guess right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you get this, cause they're, they're just a little more subtle, but yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Like spend more time just trying to really get, just really get the speed, hit more lag putts, you know, hit more medium range putts and, and feel that. And then, like you said, being below the hole, we like that everywhere, right. right? It's a little bit of a tweak in your routine. And that's actually what I did too. I didn't even really think on the putting green before I was just trying to feel the speed. Like, you know, sometimes you got to think a little harder before you warm up, but I was just like, I know these greens are going to be pure. Let's just see how they're rolling. Yep. Well, you gave yourself a break on the greens. I quote, I know I'm going to mess some stuff up. I think it's also to give yourself a break. First time playing a new course, especially as intricate as a layout as a McKenzie course, like pasta tempo. Right. Because like I said, with the angles, I mean, we don't have a caddy. Not everybody takes caddies. They do have flyovers, which was really nice on the carts. But if you were walking, you wouldn't have that. Right. So I think well, you got to give yourself a break too of like, oh, wow, I technically hit a good shot. I didn't know the dog leg is as severe or the elevation change was as severe as it looked. Now, and you just got to yeah. give yourself a break and do the best you can with your next shot. So I think that's another thing with score. It's like, okay, well, give yourself a break. It's interesting. Some mental, mental golf types, we talked last week with John Weir, the founder of Mental Golf Types. Some mental golf types, do better playing a course the first time because it helps you stay a little bit more abstract, I guess, you know, you don't know it. So you kind of just like hear where you're trying to go and you swing. Whereas sometimes you can get in trouble. The more, you know, the worse it can get. But I think we got to remember that too. You got to give yourself a break. The first time you play a course, especially a bucket list one. For sure. I think, you know, those days have, if you're playing a course where the greens are pretty simple and you feel like you're making good strokes, the ball's just not going in, but you're like all around the hole. Yeah. That can be frustrating, but on those days, it's like, man, you're like this close. But at Pasta Tiempo, I felt like I made a lot of good strokes, but I didn't really come close to making it. It's easy to start to get mad. Either like, boy, I just don't, why can't I read these greens or these greens are stupid or unfair? Yeah. No, and that's easy to do and a trap we all can get ourselves into. Isn't that golf? Like we don't play that often. We're not as good as we probably think we are playing a new course, we think that we can get it immediately, you know, or a green we've never seen that you can read it correctly. Like it's right. hard, but I'll tell you what, I stayed out of the bunkers. I, have, I don't know if you stayed out of the bunkers. Let's talk about those for a second though. Mm. Like we're talking deep, some big, some small, especially around the greens, right? Because yeah. oftentimes you were hitting up your second shot was uphill and couldn't see the bottom of the flag and just protected by some really big bunkers. And like, Boy, I, I, I think some of the other groups are really struggling in those bunkers and like talk about a defense because it's relatively just not a long golf course, you know, but it starts feeling long when you're trying to go at some of those flags or, you know, just not focused enough on where you need to miss it. You know, yeah. like take the par three, number three, for example, it's 220 dead up the hill. Oh my God. One bunkers, of the hardest par threes I've ever played. Like you'd be falling out of if you're hitting uphill, 
right? But that's where most people go and you leave it short. It's funny, Basiri, who's not a long hitter, he just said, because he's playing like 245, his back pin, he goes, I'm laying up. <laughs> he just laid up in the fairway, chipped on. I think it made bogey, but like that's an easy double, triple hole. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're just he laid trying up. to lay up, I mean, he laid up on a 220 yard par three, but like, look, I mean, it was smart. It, he knows his game. He's just like, either I'm going to try to hit a driver and thread it, you know, and if, <laughs> he's right. just like, it's credit to him. He just kind of took his medicine there. And then he played great on the back nine. Cause he, in his mind, he's like, I know there's going to be other holes, you know, but yeah. that's hard from an ego perspective. Right. Oh yeah. You know? Well, I found McKinsey courses really easy to make doubles. Yeah. Like I made a ton of doubles this past week <laughs> and it wasn't like, you know, I was hacking it all around. It was very subtle doubles. You miss your mark off the tee. You put it in the wrong spot. You chunk yeah. something out of the bunker or something, and then you three putt and boom, you've got a double. It's wild. So that is true. What, let me ask you, what do you do on a new course when the rough is something you haven't experienced before? Because yeah. Well, it's a Kakuya grass, right? Yeah. Like a I think sticky so. Kikuya. So it's really sticky. It wasn't thick. So you get into the rough at Pasa Tiempo and you think, okay, well, this isn't going to really impact anything. It's really not penal at all. The ball appears to be sitting up. The ball appears to be sitting up. It's not that thick. And I played California courses now for over 10 years, right? So hmm. usually the rough isn't that penal unless it's like you play Tory and it's close to US Open week, right? right. So I found that the rough was really sticky and it would kind of pull the toe down, miss left, and it would kind of die. It would come out dead. Maybe that's an opportunity instead of getting down. I think a lot of us got a little frustrated with it. Instead, we could have taken a page out of Rick Sessinghouse and Colin Markawa's book and say, well, how would I have done that again? Yeah. And then say, okay, well, it's clearly sticky. So I probably need to club up or take a different angle because I know it's the tendencies for it to pull left. So maybe aim a little right back of my stance, take more club. What do you think? Like, how did you play the rough? What you can't be doing on that type of rough is like getting steep and going after it. Because look, you're like, Oh, I got this good line. I can just make a swing. Like I would when I'm in the fairway. Yeah. Just try to make a good shallow, like a good shallow to steep divot, long divot. Can't yeah. do that. Right. You make a good swing, but then the club gets caught up. It's yeah. total deception. So club up and just, you know, try to swing a little more shallow and just pick it, you know, especially if you've got a, a back pin, just, just try to land it on the front of the green and cause it's going to run out. It did some weird things out of that rough. I did go after one with a short iron. It just came out. Like it, was, it looked like it was, it hit the green and bounced forward and then had all this crazy check. But <laughs> that was a situation where lie wasn't as good. I had to get steep. I got a little lucky and ended up hitting it real close, but no, I like to club up, Ev, uh, you know, and just trying to be like a little more shallow and pick it or sweep it. Because the minute you get after it, you're like, what just happened? You know? Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so think that's, you, you just gotta, that's you a gotta, great you gotta, lesson, you gotta, though. You got to graze it off the rough. So let's, let's take a step back, and then we got to get to a quick break. You're not used to the course. It's brand new, right? All of the factors I talked about, ranking, money. And a lot of times, I think in these scenarios, you can be dumbfounded. You can be surprised. You can be shocked. And I think the key is use it as a learning, as information for your next one. Yeah. Instead of getting frustrated, confused, and down. Right. Because again, looking back, I don't 
play that kind of rough usually. I mean, that was really sticky. I've, I don't think I've ever played sticky short rough, but it, I played sticky it, long rough because you've played in Northern California. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's got to be in other places. No. Or is it just maybe the length, the same I don't texture, know. but just a different length. I'm just curious. Yeah, like, I'm what, not good. I don't, I don't know what, enough about the grasses in different areas. All I know is that I played a ton in Northern and Southern California, and I've never played a rough like that. Got it. At Pasa Tiempo. So, you know, but I think the learning looking back is I was getting in my own head of, huh, that's weird. It doesn't normally come out like that, thinking it was me. But really, it was I needed to take a learning and take the information, move yep. on to the next rough shot. There's plenty of them coming up <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, maybe tests more club test a little bit more shallow. You know, I think that's really important. So that's a great takeaway. I think from playing bucket list courses is like, Hey, you want to enjoy your time more at these bucket list courses, gain information as right. you play and try and make they're adjustments. They're challenging for a reason. Well, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. I, was getting a lot of looks with my Roosters belt at Pasta Tiempo yes, and were. Cyprus. I wore my black with white specks with my black pants at Cyprus. Nice little subtle pop. And I think at Pasta Tiempo, I matched some green in my hat and my polo to my green band and belt from Roosters belts. Yeah. We were getting a lot of compliments. A lot of my groomsmen were asking what kind of belts they were. I told them. So go to shoproostas.com, enter the code train, get 15% off and free shipping and elevate your outfit. Whether you want to get loud or you want to keep it more subtle, Roosters belts has got everything and they've got college football colors. So I know football's back. Get yourself some, um, some school spirit on your belt, elevate your outfit there. We talked a lot about pasta tiempo Cyprus. I never thought I'd be able to play Cyprus. Shout out to Chris, who was one of our loyal listeners and followers and knows a member there and invited Tara and I on our mini moon to play Cyprus. Now, Cyprus, I'd say what number two, number three, most exclusive clubs in the world after Augusta and Pine Valley. Well, best, right? Yeah. yeah. And like best quality wise too. Right. Top right. three every year. Yeah. So <laughs> I definitely woke up with some nerves. I got avocado toast and a green juice sent to my room, sir, the morning of trying to fuel up. Because Tara and I, you know, having a lot of fries and whatever. We're it's the mini we're enjoying ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's start it off. Good, solid base. Couldn't eat it. I was nervous. Just like the, the, the wedding adrenaline came back for the morning of Cyprus. Now the question is, what was I nervous about? Yeah, that's where I was going next. What was I really nervous about? Well, all the factors I talked about, right? You're playing with people you don't know, you don't want to slow down the members, like all of this ego stuff. That's really silly. Golf's a hard game. We're all going to hit bad shots. And actually I started off. Okay. I started off pretty decent. Just, I think as the round went on, I've been struggling with ball striking and weird misses and two-way misses. And it's just been very difficult for me to commit over the ball. You add in Cyprus is a truly, I've never played anywhere like it because it's like three courses in one. You've got like in the dunes and then you've got like through the trees in the forest where it, it looks like Augusta National or Pine Valley. And then you're out going towards the water on the cliffs on like Liter Lynx golf. Literally wind. in the ocean, in the ocean, serious wind. So I joked with Chris and the member when I was there, I was like, it's, it's interesting mentally because, you know, when you're abandoned, 
it's Lynx golf the whole time. So you can commit to a certain style of play. We are just talking about making adjustments, sir. It's tough when you've been playing a certain way and then you got to, okay, well, it's time to start hitting knockdowns, right? I also think there's some interesting stuff mentally with having a caddy because sometimes caddies would tell me to hit a club and I don't fully feel it, you know, but they're the experts. So sometimes it's a tough dichotomy with picking something that you're comfortable with, but also taking advice from the caddy. You know, how have you navigated that at bucket list courses? Like, how do you balance what the caddy tells you with, with your own comfort? Well, at the end of the day, the caddy is not an expert of your game. True. That's a good point. And you make the final decision, of course. Yeah. But when you're at a place like Cyprus, or I recently played Butler National, which I hadn't played there in 12, 15 years, one of the hardest hole-for-hole courses in the country, I always wanted to know what the caddy thought. And I, my caddy was a pretty good player, and we talked through a lot of things. But like to your point, Ev, every day is different. Like you said, you've been open about it. You, have, you haven't been swinging the best. You've been trying to find a, a feel. You got to make the final call. I do think it's important to take in the information that the caddy is presenting because at Cyprus, you know, they're going to be good and they've done thousands of rounds with guys like you that are nervous and don't know what to do on the course. looks one way, looks the other. So I trust the caddy the most when it's about yardage. So hey, you got to play an extra club here, you know? Yeah. Now that doesn't mean if you need to go from a seven to a six, you may need to dial up a little bit more on a seven, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I generally trust. And then occasionally you get the good green reader too. That's a good segue. I actually found, I never realized it was this important to me until Cyprus. The caddy was just telling me what it played, but I actually wanted to know the actual, and I didn't realize it till after the round because he would just tell me like one, let's just say 185 or 180, right? Which that would be 180 is my seven iron, stock seven. If that was an actual 160 or 155 shot, I would have wanted to know that because my 180 flighted is different than just telling me stock yardage, right? So what I struggled with towards the end of Cyprus is it didn't even register in my mind that he's giving me more yards because we're playing in the wind. And granted, Tara made a great point. We're talking in the car on the way home. And we're like, we kind of blacked out. It's like a crazy place to be because I like no golf etiquette, right? I played thousands of rounds probably, but at a place like that, you want to respect the history. You want to respect the elevated nature of it. You want to respect the member, the caddies. And so it's a lot to balance at these bucket list courses of respect, etiquette, your own game, the elements, not knowing the course your swing, your own mindset. It's a lot to, to balance. And sometimes I would almost like, it was hard for me to kind of laser in on my game because I'm navigating all these elements. And then towards the end, I'm like, oh, this is, I'm playing in the wind. You'd think, how would you not know you're playing in the wind? Well, you know, it's different than the first 12 holes, 11 holes I was playing, but I almost wish I would have known both yardages because then I would have kind of been like, okay, forget the stock yardage. Let me just like hit a knockdown six or let it run out. Or, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It was a lot to kind of manage. It can be right. And that's going to be, that's what you get, that we have to figure out. What I would say Ev, is I look at the caddy, like courses, I don't know. Let's go back to Butler national. I'd yeah. be like, 
should I miss it short or long here? That's a good he, question. And he says, short. Okay. Then I will, you know, veer towards maybe a little less club. You know, See, that's missing. a good way to ask because my caddy was saying, I because like then, 145, then, but yeah. I'm okay with 150. But then it's like, okay, well, I have like a 155 and a 135. Or the other question is, what's the front edge yardage? What's the back edge yardage? Like, I don't know if you were asking that we're no, that's communicating that way. I was not asking that. 145, like how many times are you going to have 145? But he's like, you know, you know, what do I need to cover? Yeah. Right. So it's more simpler questions as opposed to, you know, I think you're, you're probably just trying to thread too many shots in there as opposed to just like miss it short, miss it long, you know. Yeah. And it's also tough that I don't know where the ball is going. And Ryan and I were, we were talking through some shots together. I mean, he shot 73, right? He hit it pretty well for not never seeing the course. You know, we were talking a lot, especially coming out of the rough on some shots. I'm just like, if it's a 158 shot, you got to be thinking about 150s, your number. So, right. So he's got a nine. Iron. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to come out, right? Like oh, it's just it going to, it's going to tumble. Out. It's going to shoot yeah, like, yeah. right. And, but like, you know, he's got well, a see, nine. Iron I was thinking I need to take more club out of the rough. Well, so but maybe I was... Ryan and I, I know Ryan's not going to try to get as steep and dig after it. He's just going to try to pick it. And they're like, yeah. you know, yeah, I think yeah. you weren't thinking so much. You, you could have been thinking better about how to play the shot, how to come into the shot, yeah. you know? Well, I think a lot um, of people in my level don't really, but I, I think your, your swings, your swing, you don't really think about angle of attack. A lot of people don't know how to do that. You know, right. so, so that's another the way, the way I would sum this up, Ev caddies or no caddies is just getting really focused on front yardage and back yardage and just understanding where you have to miss it. Yeah. Right. It could be short. A lot of times it's short, but occasionally it can be long, you know, and just knowing that and just doing it right. And yep. just doing it. Cause then you're committing to it and you're okay with the result. If you miss long and make a good swing. Well, we're going to take our final quick break and then we'll sum everything up. I made a mistake at Cyprus. I was so nervous. You can still <laughs> see it in my face. One of the best courses sunscreen. in the world in the history of golf. <laughs> I was so <laughs> nervous. I didn't put on sunscreen. Oh, luckily I didn't do this before the wedding. Before the wedding, I was like, I can't get a sunburn before the wedding. But my face is pretty red. I should have used the Oars and Alps Go Stick, which I had in my bag, but I was nervous. Oh, fun fact for you from Cyprus. Apparently, I always thought weight of bags was important for the caddies. It's actually more important, at least my caddy said of balance. So if he's got a small Cypress point bag on his right shoulder, cause they're double bagging it. He wanted to have a smaller bag on his left shoulder. So, and Chris, the guy who invited us warned me about that. So I took out stuff in my bag to make it lighter. He still swapped all my stuff into a Cypress point bag. So that was another thing too. It's like, well, I don't want to like transfer everything. What do I really need? It's like right before we tee off, didn't transfer my Oars and Alps sunscreen and got a little burned. Don't make the same mistake I did. Go to oarsandalps.com, enter the code train, get 15% off and get yourself the go stick to have in your bag to reapply on your face. The SPF 30 and SPF 50 spray one best sunscreen by Men's Health 2021. Yep. Smells great. Antioxidant and vitamin C in it. So it doesn't cooling, dry you. Cooling wipes. Don't forget those. Cooling wipes, the deodorant. Fun fact, I wore their thickening hair spray for my wedding. And you look great. Thank you. So I wore Oars and Alps hairspray at the wedding. It's not really hairspray, but it's like a thickening texturing spray. So they really got everything. Oarsandalps.com. Enter the code train. Get 15% off. Don't get sunburned. Look your best. Feel your best. 
So, Serm, I haven't really talked about the experience at Cyprus. Yeah, I think for the listeners, get a little into it. You know, everybody knows, especially about, you know, some of the golf course, the last few holes. But talk a little bit, a little bit more about the dune side, the holes in the dunes, holes in the woods, and then the clubhouse, the pro shop, the history, just the feel. I mean, you can feel the history, right? I mean, you walk in and it's just like these old trees, you're right on the water. But the one thing I didn't expect that I don't think a lot of people probably would expect is you hear Cyprus. And what I always thought is like an elevated private pebble, right? Sure. It doesn't feel that way right away because I'd say three holes in you're inland going into the forest and you're tree lined. So what Don, the member told me is like, it's funny. You could feel, you could tell me right now we're at Augusta or on the East coast at Pine Valley, or you're in the Midwest. You don't realize that really most of the course is not on the water. Now here's the crazy thing. I think it was 12, 11 or 12. I don't remember, but Tara, you should have seen the guy's faces. I'm going to do a post about this maybe today or tomorrow, but Tara birdied the number two handicap. It's either 11 or 12 into the wind too, right? Into the wind dog leg, right? So you kind of like the tee box is way back. You kind of cut the hole in half, right? Whatever angle you take, you can bite off as much as you want. Obviously the more right you go, the more you carry you have to have. So Tara hit this bullet low draw. The guys are marveling at it, right? Then she has a five iron in. She hits this perfect five iron. Hits on the right side of the green, kicks left, goes oh, like 15, it. 20 feet past the hole, and she drains the putt for birdie. And everyone oh. are like, I know why you married her. We're still trying to figure out why she married you. The classic but, joke. Yeah, just a classic joke. Don also told me, remember, you know why guys get married? I go, why, Don? I'm like, I can't wait to hear this. I'm two days after getting married. He's like, so you can find out you're a failure. Find out all the things you're a failure at. And I go, ha, ha, ha. So classic Don, right? Don also called his ball honey, which I liked. We might do a whole pod on Don. Don's, Don was great. He, he called his ball honey. So, all right, come back, honey. Come on in, honey. And I'm I've like, heard, Don, I, I kind of like that. I've heard that before, but. Yeah, I kind of like that. So anyways, once you get to 12, I think I could be butchering this, but Chris will DM me after and tell me if I did. You kind of like go out towards the water. Okay. Oh, the water's back. Now wind is in play. So I'm excited because I'm getting back to the cliffs and Chris is like, oh no, this is where the teeth comes. It's funny. It's a weird dichotomy mentally because now you're going to see the most iconic holes, right? The holes that you've seen, but now wind is a factor. Okay. 15, 16, 17 might be the greatest stretch in golf of golf that I've ever played is maybe in golf, right? 15 is you walk through this path. It's kind of banned and trailsy of what I've seen where. Which the, is your favorite, arguably one of my out favorites. there. Yeah, which is they take this rustic wood. They make the railing from this rustic wood, right? You walk through the cypress trees. You walk up this little hill and then boom, 130 yard shot surrounded by bunkers, water to the right. You can't see it, but the water comes all the way in past the tee box so you don't realize you're really hitting over water yeah and it's i almost chipped in for a birdie on 15 that would have been amazing i'm by the way i'm using Terra's 60 degree because the wedding venue has my 60 degree 
So we forgot sorry, that. Sorry, we were hitting shots at the the reception. We're shots at the wedding. Larry so Singer. I forgot that. We were so excited. <laughs> forgot that. So here I am at Cypress. I don't even have my own 60 degree. Terrace worked well, though. Little Cleveland. And um, almost clipped in. Made part 15. I was very happy about that. I'm like, all right, I made part 15, whatever. Then 16. 16 is 230, 40 yards into the wind, basically over water, almost an island, like not an island, but there's, you're trying to hit it in the back bunkers. And the caddies told me they never have raked the back bunkers. So you (laughs) aim for the back bunkers, but you never go in them. I hit. So I love the thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I hit a three wood and I thought, and this is so funny. This is how you can trip yourself up mentally. Okay. You see 240 in the wind. When I hit a really good three wood, I'm 260, right? For some reason, I kind of blacked out and I'm like, oh, I can hit this like little, like really light three wood, just a really soft three wood. Well, it hit the side of the cliff, bounced off in the water. And I'm like, I don't even know what happened. I don't know why I did that. Then they're like, no, full three wood. You got to try and hit in the back bunkers. I'm like, oh, okay. So then that allowed me to commit to a full three wood. I put it to 10 feet. (laughs) Guy number two, you know, guy number two is incredible. I put it to 10 feet, 260 into the wind. Were you worried about being in the bunker of? No. I mean, I I was honestly not really worried. It was such a, one of the craziest, most beautiful holes I've ever played. I honestly wasn't even thinking about the result. I think I got a little in my head again, in just, these didn't places, pick, just, just didn't pick the right shot. I think in these places, yeah. commitment is more challenging because of, like I said, there's all these factors. You're trying to be a good guest. You're trying to not play slow. You're trying to take what the caddies give you. You're trying to relate it to your own game. You're trying to understand the elements. You never played the course before. It's a bucket list moment. I think it's yeah. easy to not be thinking about the shot and what you're comfortable with. And so I kind of had a blackout moment. When I actually committed, I had probably my best shot of the day. And that hole 16 is unbelievable. One of the hardest holes probably I'll ever play, but one of the most beautiful at the same time, then 17. Okay. You can kind of see 17 off to the left and you get tucked back in this tee box and there's a plaque. There's a plaque on the 17th tee box. It says not many people get to pass through here. So take a moment, take a look. Love that. Be grateful, appreciate it. Okay. And then you see the water on the right. There's seals barking on the rocks, little dog leg right, shorter hole. I shouldn't have hit driver. The caddy was like, F it, bus drive. I hit one of my best drives of the day, but I hit it straight. So now I'm in jail behind the, these. It look, look, looks trees. like some big trees. I'm looking at the hole right now. Trees. Yeah. I had to punch out and then I hit it over some the big trees cypress trees. Chris, the guy who invited me, actually doesn't like 18. 18's kind of a crazy hole. It's so narrow. It goes straight uphill to a crazy elevated green. Oh, um, but oh. <laughs> 15, it's, a I kind of like hole. it. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cool, but 15, 16, 17. I mean, you just wish, man, I, I wish I could have played those holes over and over and over again. It's interesting how McKenzie Pasa Tiempo and Cypress 15 are the short par threes. Yeah. And 1516 are the biggest stretch of golf at Pasatiempo, also the biggest stretch of golf at Cyprus. Just an amazing experience. I well, mean, do I, I mean, wish I would have played better? Of course. But at the end of the day, grateful to Chris to invite us, grateful to Don to have us. And look, well, Ev, let me just read mental game challenge, right? Of just feeling off 
but being at a place like that and trying to do your best to enjoy it. And I, I really did. I enjoyed it. Well, let me read the quote from Mackenzie that kind of sums up what you're talking about. Yeah. 1932. I do not expect anyone will ever have the opportunity of constructing another course like Cypress Point is I do not suppose anywhere in the world there is such a glorious combination of rocky coast, sand dunes, pine woods, and cypress trees. Yeah. I mean, to sum it up, Ev, where does it, was it the best course you've ever played? Is it in your top five? Is it, um, it's always, always going to be extra special because it's your mini moon. Where does it sit? And maybe you need more time to think. Yeah, because that's tough. Because you got to play is just most people will never sniff it in their lives. You know? Yeah. So I was thinking about this a little bit. I love, you know, I love trails and sheep ranch. I had a very spiritual experience at sheep ranch sunrise. Yeah. yeah. These infinity greens off the cliffs. I mean, the basic, the whole thing's basically on the water. Cypress is obviously top three easy. I'd have to give more thought into what my number one is. That's hard. I like to rank courses based on how many wows I have off tees. Like, oh, wow. Right. Moments where you're like unbelievable. Like I did on fifth, really from 12 on. Well, to me, I've, there's two things on tee boxes. I like how you kind of phrase that. Right. Because it's the initial look. A lot of times, though, wow. Or like you step back. It's maybe of the beauty. Right. Yeah. Like. 15 at Cyprus, right? Like layout, how unique the layout, how cool 18 at Pebble. Yeah. But my other, what I was doing at Pasa Temple a lot was there's no looking back Cyprus. And I was just like, man, this is fun. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, like even on the ninth hole, it's a 490 yard par five. Oh, it should be real simple. Well, it's a dog leg right up the hill with OB left and trees right and a green that's completely protected. <laughs> and I'm just like, right. wow, this is one of the sh- toughest, shortest par fives I've played. <laughs> right. Like, this is fun. <laughs> you know, so, the, so it's like, there's the kind of wow, oh my God. Then there's a, huh, this is a good time. You know, this yeah. is cool. Like, what a great, what a great idea. You know? Yeah. Well, um, that's why this episode's so important to me, Sir, because to me, the most important thing about these rounds is that you take it in like the plaque suggests and you enjoy it. And I think what you've seen that I battled, like everybody can battle, is it's so easy to let things bog you down, just like life, right? Like in these moments, I think if acceptance is key, as always, right? You got to find a way to play your game. I love how Basiri laid up, right? You can say whatever you want about it. My main takeaway of playing bucketless courses is you've got to have an approach for the day, whether that's below the hole, whether that's speed control, what, whatever that is before the round, if you have time to maybe work on a little something, enjoy it, tell stories, ask questions, look at the surroundings, but then find a way to commit. I found commitment challenging at Cyprus. It wasn't as but- hard at, at Pasatiempo because Pasatiempo, isn't it funny the difference of the feelings of the two rounds, right? Pasta Tiempo was with my groomsmen, my dad, my brother, one of my best friends. I'm seeing all of you guys. I'm getting married the next day. The golf was just kind of a way to connect us. Like I didn't really care sure. about it. Cyprus. It's a little bit more difficult because I know people are going to ask me what I shot. It wasn't pretty. I know I'm going to be with the guy that's been listening to us for years. Right. And I knew the main thing for me is, just want to make sure I have a great attitude and take it all in. Right. I want to be appreciative. I want to be a great guest, but it was, it was definitely challenging to commit with all the different types of shots, crazy angles, 
it was challenging to commit. And it was also challenging to be this uncomfortable over the ball at a place like that. But I did every fiber of my being to enjoy it. That's and that's and it. I think that's the key. Right. I think I, mean, and I, think, I might never go back there again. I probably won't. Right. So, you know, the fact that I got to play with Tara as newlyweds and really take it in, I was laughing it all off. I was asking questions and I was in awe of where I was. So I think just I think external, trying to commit and enjoying the ride. I think the one thing, you know, you can work on and we always all can be better at this because what you've described, you know, you had fun. And that's all that matters at these great courses, especially Cyprus. But you, you were struggling to be in your routine and commit because yeah. of some of the external factors. But at the end of the day, right, when you have and it's your turn to hit, it's your turn to hit. Right. Like, nobody's talking. You know, nobody's distracting you. How do we get better at being in that 45 seconds of? Yeah. You know, well, that's because, a good point. Because you, you can. You, nobody's stopping you. There's right. things that are happening, other things that are not traditionally happening, but when it is your turn to hit, in theory, there's no excuse. Right. Well, that's a good point, right? So instead that's of something to work on, taking you know? on, I think what we were doing, and Ryan and I talked about this last week in the episode, was it's easy to take on the golf the whole time. You're wanting to learn the history, yeah. or you're talking to the caddy about the next shot. So if I would do anything differently, that's a great point, Sarm. I would probably do that. I would talk less about the golf in between and I would laser in over the ball. I would just like pros have told us on the show, those 28 seconds have a really clear picture of what I'm trying to do and try and rip it and see where it yeah, goes. That's hard, but that's, uh, that's the yeah. learning. I mean, what a dream week Ev. you married your best pal. Yeah. You had your family and your friends all there live in the redwoods. That's by Pasa Tiempo and Cypress point. <laughs> Yeah, it's and, pretty amazing. Uh, so I guess it's all downhill from here. <laughs> you know? Totally. As Don 100%. would say, you know. <laughs> you also, a big shout out to Cermak and Ryan. You guys gave a great speech at my uh, rehearsal dinner. I might be posting some tidbits of that on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. But Your jokes in there was, too, you know. So there were some jokes. There, but, how about uh, the, Ryan, the Ryan cargo shorts joke I made? I got oh, it. You know. I knew you were getting that in for sure. <laughs> but it was a really special week. And I could feel the love from the Partrain community too. I mean, yeah. you know, Hank did a good job. I gave him a lot of content up front, so I wasn't really on Instagram. Yeah, shout out often. to like the intern Hank. He was he was doing a great job. Yeah, and I wasn't as plugged in as I normally am, but I did still take a peek, and I could see the messages, and I saw the comments, and I it was just, so cool. We'll take I... a second to say <laughs> how grateful we are for you guys, and it felt like you guys were a part of it. You know, one of the big, the biggest week of my life, I felt like you guys were a part of it. There was a lot of mentions of the par train throughout the week in different speeches. Oh, and, yeah. And I added some elements throughout the day and it was a really special week. Well, Ev, as your co-host and one of your best pals, it was, um, it was pretty sweet to stand up there and be a part of it all. So cheers to uh, just a fantastic, fantastic week and best is yet to come. Let's keep this yep. train moving. I mean, we're 200 episodes plus now, so. Now let's see what I can do from now into the member guests, you know? Well, yeah, you may be coming up to Chicago. We'll I talk more about up that. To Chicago. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks as always guys for listening. We appreciate you guys. Again, if you want to give us a review at Apple podcast, it means a lot. If you're not following us at the part train, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or our big three, give us a follow, send us a message, yep. get some tidbits every day. We're posting new stuff. So no matter what, the course is ranked 
no matter how many members are there, no matter the craziness of the layout, the uniqueness of the conditions, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care.